I love, as I said in confirmation and other times I'm up here, I love preaching on the book of Acts. It's just one of my favorites. It just tells us how the early church began to manifest the unified togetherness that Jesus brought during his ministry on earth. One Greek word is used in Acts to capture this coming together into oneness. I hope I say it right. It's called homothemidon, a compound of two words, which basically means rush along and in unison. Did I get it right? Close? Okay, good. I didn't, okay, I get a thumbs up? Awesome, good. (laughs) Now, the early church, the followers of Christ, were eager to rush into joyful and intimate community. They embraced the complexities and challenges of living out the beautiful ideal of diversity and unity. And at the center of all that was the message and mission of Jesus. Now, I had an illustration that I wanted to do with you guys to show you about that, how Jesus is the center point. And so... When I was thinking, my youth minister side of the brain kicked in. And I was like, let's get everybody out of their seats and let's, let's move around and do some things. And when I was going over this with my wife last night, she said, Brian, don't do that. So I said, okay, well, let me revamp this a little bit. Let me, let me try something different to get this message across. So this is what I came up with. All right, everybody, we can do a peace sign, right? We can do that. Some of y'all probably have done this a lot. So let's do a peace sign, okay? Let's do a peace sign. Yeah, the, or Andy's peace sign. But we'll keep, it, keep it like this for right now, though. Then we can, we can move it in a minute, okay? And, I, and when I coached, I always told my athletes, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do, all right? Now, I, wouldn't, I didn't tell them now I wouldn't do it as well as they would because I coached swimming. I made them swim 3,000 yards and as Andy likes to say, sometimes when you do that, you just want to roll over, puke, and die. I would have wanted to do that. But I would have still done it, not as good as them. But here we go. This also looks like a letter V, does it not? Okay. And so let's look at this. This represents the incarnation. Jesus is the finite point where infinite God touches our world right here. And each of our fingers are reaching out for the Spirit and for God. Okay, so Jesus is the focal point here. Now let's turn it pointing out. This represents our mission. Jesus is still the point. He's the focal point of our faith moving us forward, but it's us reaching out. Okay, you can put your fingers down. Now my original plan was to get you out and have you do your hands up like this, but then we might break into the YMCA. So we would just stop right there. So anyway, you don't think so? Okay, (laughs) I know that one would. Okay, but... This also represents us rushing along together in unity. But let's go back to our story in Acts. Before the Pentecost story, you you read about the ascension of Christ coming from Acts 1, verses 6 through 11. Listen to this. It says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they can no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood along them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday... 
he'll return in the same way you saw him go. And so after that moment, the disciples spent about 10 days in prayer. The resurrected Christ was no longer walking around them. And so they prayed. They prayed for their direction. They prayed for where is God going to lead them. And so seven weeks after Easter, the Holy Baton, as I like to call it, think of a relay race as runners run in a relay race and they hand off the baton to the person. It's kind of like Christ handing that off to the Holy Spirit at this moment. And you see, Pentecost is the birthday of the church, as Miss Jennifer talked about. But it's also the broadening of the gospel. It keeps growing. Just like we don't want to be the same age, or some of us, we have to keep growing. So does the church. And we celebrate this day when the Spirit of Christ came to rest on the disciples and all the people who'd gather in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, as the story is told from our reading today. It is the day the Spirit came to live in the body of Christ on earth, the church. And you see, God knew what he was doing 2,000 years ago. There was a crowd gathering in Jerusalem for Pentecost. People from all over, from different languages, speaking in different tongues. And when they saw the disciples speaking in their language, they can hear it. Can you imagine them walking around Jerusalem by this group and they're hearing their native language, not expecting it. And they're hearing the good news. And they're like, something is going on. Now, the dissenters have said they're just drunk. But that's when Peter got up there and he started preaching. Peter, the guy that denied Christ three times, is now emboldened to stand in front of the group and preach and say, no, it's too early in the morning for that. And to validate what he was saying, to show the Jews that were gathering that he knows what he's talking about, he quoted the prophet Joel. And that's when they started listening. Joel says, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon his people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I'll cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire, clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be safe. The people heard that. They knew something special was going on. Only something that could come from God. And throughout Acts, you see this passion, as you continue to read, of togetherness but not individuality, purity with no compromise, and the inclusion of all people through Christ. You know, God could have spread his message more efficiently by doing it all by himself. But instead, he takes it slow. He works with the partnership of humans, us, because he values intimacy more so than efficiency. That's why he uses us. But what about this Holy Spirit? You know, we we talk about it certain times through the year. A lot of times it's kind of like the forgotten part of the Trinity, the forgotten God, in a sense. And the Methodist Church may sound kind of mute on the Holy Spirit, but when I was going through our Wesleyan distinctives on grace, I found it there. Listen to some of our uh, distinctives on grace. Grace pervades our understanding of Christian faith and life. By grace, we mean the undeserved, unmerited, and loving action of God in human existence through the ever-presence of the Holy Spirit. We believe God reaches out to the repentant believer in justifying grace with accepting and pardoning love. Our Wesleyan theology stresses that a decisive change in human heart can and does occur 
under the prompting of grace and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We hold that the wonder of God's acceptance and pardon does not end God's saving work, which continues to nurture our growth in grace. Through the power of Holy Spirit, we are enabled to increase in the knowledge and the love of God and the love of our neighbor. See, Holy Spirit's there. It's there in our grace, in the grace that I just talked about. It was the Holy Spirit that comforted me and my wife during a time where we were struggling, when we had a miscarriage. The Holy Spirit was there in that time in our lives. The Holy Spirit was there guiding me, telling me, you're done teaching in the classroom. Go teach in the church. So here I am at 922 teaching in the church. So this Holy Spirit is a very important part in all of our lives. It's kind of like an advocate. It is an advocate. The Gospel of John talks about this advocate. John says in his Gospel, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I not been with you all this time? Yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me knows the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father's in me? These words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe because of the work you see me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. You ask for anything in my name and I'll do it because... I promise the Holy Spirit. If you obey my commandments, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you an advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because he isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be with you. And I'm telling you these things now that I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have done. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so do not be troubled or afraid. The Holy Spirit's with us. It's with the church. It is guiding us in our daily lives. It is comforting us. Every part of an advocate is clearing the path so that we can walk. Some of y'all are parents, and as your children are growing up, you are advocates for your children whether it was fighting for them to have the best schools, the best life, the best things that they could have, clearing the path. For those of you, you're advocates for your parents who are elderly, who need you. Some of you are advocates for others in the community. You comfort, you guide, you clear the way, just as the Holy Spirit does for us. I have to be an advocate for my children. I have to be an advocate for the youth here at the church. And so we need to think about that. We need to always rely on the Holy Spirit because it is our advocate. It's a very important part of the Trinity, even though sometimes it's kind of hard to hear it or to feel it because of all the noise in our life. So with Pentecost, with the church having a birthday and growing and the Holy Spirit being an ever part of our lives, what does this mean for us today? It means we need to continue the works of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
We need to keep on and never give up. My first job as a teacher, I worked for a man. He doesn't know I'm talking about this, but I'm sure he'll find out. His name was Mr. Poor. And at the end of the school year, we would always gather as teachers and have a faculty meeting. And we would talk about things that needed to be wrapped up for the end of the school year. There's a lot of things that teachers have to do. Grades to post, parents to contact, get your room cleaned up and ready to be waxed and things over the summer. All those wonderful and glorious things you have to do as the kids are shutting down and everybody's ready for summer. And he would always tell us in our meetings about his time of being a child growing up in the Delta. He's a Delta boy. And he said that in the Delta, it was a bad thing to have your property, if you were growing things that had rows of, of crops, to not have it plowed to the end of the row. People looked down upon those with messy rows that had weeds growing up towards the end and didn't look all kept up. And so he would tell us teachers, now don't get exhausted, don't get too tired. It's not over yet. You need to plow to the end of the row. Keep on going. There's going to be challenges. It's going to be hard work. That's Christians... We need to continue to plow to the end of the row with the help of the Holy Spirit today. Continue to grow God's church. We don't know how long the row we're plowing is going to be. And that doesn't really matter. We just need to put our hands to it and drive on with our advocate. And so as we leave today, we need to keep that on our minds and our hearts. We need to stay connected and listening to the Holy Spirit. We need to celebrate the birth of the church and the growth of the church and how we're going to be a part of it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today and all that you do. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, our advocate. We thank you for the church because, Lord, we're not perfect, but through Christ we are. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.